How great is our God. All will see how great is our God. Lord, how great are you. How great and marvelous is the works of God towards us. How great and marvelous are the works of God towards us. Lord, how great and marvelous is it that we can receive the works of Jesus as our own. That we are the holiness of God. That we are the righteousness of God. That we can stand in a place where we have perfect peace with the God of the universe. The almighty creator. Lord, that we can stand in a place of perfect peace between me and the most holy being that there is. Through the works of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you. For, for who could have done the things that you did except you? Who could have designed such a marvelous gospel but God himself? Man could not think of it. But you designed it for our benefit. That we can reap the benefits of what Jesus did on our behalf. Lord, we praise you. We praise your holy name. How great is our God. All will see how great is our God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, today um, we're going to talk about peace, true peace. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to talk you to sleep. So, Richard, I'm watching you, eh? <laughs> if you see him dozing off, you know, just sort of in the ribs there. Uh, if, if there's someone in our midst who should have a lot of peace now, it's Gerald, because he's just back from the Kruger Park. So, yeah, what a blessed time that must have been. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, a while back you mentioned that scripture where Jesus appeared to the disciples and the first thing he said to them was peace to you. Because God knows that we need peace. I mean, when Paul writes uh, to the uh, believers, he says grace and peace to you. Because God knows we need peace. Because how many times in our lives does things happen to us that threatens to rob our peace? that threatens to take our peace from us. I mean, bad things happen to us. Bad things happen to those we love. Uh, people treat us unfairly. Uh, we, we lose out on things. We might lose a job. We might lose a loved one. Something bad might happen to a vehicle that we drive. And all of those things threaten to steal our peace from us. But God is the God of peace. Now, in our cell group uh, for the past two weeks, we spoke about peace. Now, uh, just after we spoke about it the last time, I stopped at a traffic light and there were some guys handing out Christian pamphlets. And the one was a little booklet and on the front page it said, 10 steps to perfect peace. Now, that is exactly not what we, what we say. Um, because... As you said uh, before the sermon now as well, that the fruit of the Spirit is a supernatural thing that God creates in us. 
and through the power of the Spirit living us in us, we have a supernatural peace. And it is a peace that transcends all understanding. It is a peace that is separate from my efforts, my hard work to obtain peace. I don't follow ten steps to have peace. I don't meditate hard to have peace. The Buddhists meditate hard for hours to obtain peace. Now, what is the difference between a Buddhist doing that and a Christian doing that? What is the difference between a Buddhist doing that and a Christian uh, practicing positive thinking to obtain peace? You know, one of the things I said in there was that see every challenge that comes as an opportunity. Now, what is that except positive thinking? It is man's effort to obtain peace. But we have a more glorious hope than that. We have a hope in the power of the Spirit working in us and giving us perfect peace. Because God is a supernatural God. Supernatural peace in every circumstance that we might find ourselves in. We're just going to go to John 16. John 16 verse 33. Do you need your Bible? John uh, 16:33, uh, Jesus speaking to the disciples, <clears throat> saying, "These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer." I have overcome the world. Give them hope to give them peace. Now he starts talking in John 14 and he starts speaking a lot of things to them to explain to them what's going to happen. The first thing or one of the things that he says is John 15. Jesus says, abide in me. This is what you were saying this morning. Jesus says, I am the, I am the true vine. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. So if I stay in the completed work of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Spirit will rise up within me. Jesus is saying, do not work hard on your own to obtain the fruit of the Spirit. Abide in my work, abide in me, and the fruit of the Spirit will flow from you. That's one of the things that he's saying to them. So if I abide in the finished work of Jesus Christ, peace will flow from me. <coughs> now, <clears throat> if you read Isaiah, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So that word, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That word stayed means to rest, to lean upon. So I need to be in a position where I rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ. When I rest in the work of Jesus, I say no to my own works to be at rest, my own works to be at peace, but I say yes to the work of Jesus and I rest in the work of Jesus. God will keep me in perfect peace. Now, we will come back to this verse again a little bit later because there's something more in Isaiah 26 verse 3. Then one of the other things Jesus says to the disciples, 
uh, is John 14. He says, God is my Father. God is our Father. So he says, God is your Father. You are in me and I am in the Father. So we are in Jesus, in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the Father. I find myself in God the Father. God the Father caring for me, looking after me, providing my every need. That is one of the things he says to them. Then he also says to them, the Holy Spirit will be sent as your comforter. So that God sends the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is my comforter. The comforter means someone who walks beside you. So through this life, I don't walk on my own. I don't walk being dependent on my own abilities, being dependent on what I can do. I walk with God beside me, God in me. That word comforter also means called to help me. He pleads my cause. So the Holy Spirit is with me. He helps me. He guides me. He pleads my cause with God. And God is my Father. You know, uh, God is my Father. God did not spare His own Son, but gave His own Son for me. Now what is there that God will not give to us? If God had given us His Son, what will He not give to us? Why will God withhold good things from us? Why will God withhold peace from us if He gave His own Son for us? You see, that is a Father that we worship. How great is our God? Now, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. It also means it gives me divine strength to overcome tribulation. So when trouble comes, when distress comes, when affliction comes, what do I find? God, the creator of the universe, giving me godly divine strength to overcome trouble, to overcome distress. God working it in me. I do not have to work it in myself. I depend on God, not on myself. And the Holy Spirit leads me to deeper knowledge of the gospel, deeper knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ. As I grow in the knowledge of the gospel, in the knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ, I, I find myself standing in a place where there is no boundaries. I find myself standing on a highway of righteousness. The more I realize the finished work of Jesus Christ, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, He cried, it is finished. That word means to bring something to an end. Now, what did Jesus bring to an end? Scripture says, Jesus is the end of the law unto righteousness for those who believe. Jesus brought the law to an end. The law that condemned me. The law that said that I have to go through life on my own abilities. That was brought to an end. It is finished. How great is our God. Now, if you read John 14, 15, 16, Jesus explains to the disciples exactly what will happen to them after He's gone. He tells them that they will persecute you, that they will do this to you, that they will do this to you. Why did He do that? He told them exactly what will happen to them to show them that He cares, that He's aware of it. 
So if we go through a tough time, a hard time that threatens to steal our peace, people are persecuting us. I don't have money in my bank account. I'm being blacklisted. I lose things. God is with me in that process. He's not, he doesn't stand removed from it. He doesn't say, now you sort it out, you go through it. God is with me. He doesn't stand removed. He's in that with me. He cares. Never do I have to think or believe that God has left me alone in this situation. Jesus says, John 16, 27, He says to the disciples that the Father loves you. The Father loves you. Now that word love means to approve of. So we find ourselves in a place where God says He approves of us. You know, when I look at myself, if I find myself in a situation that threatens to steal my peace, what do I sometimes see? I see my own inabilities. I see my own shortcomings. I see my own faults. But in that, God says, I approve of you. Because the perfection of Jesus Christ is my perfection. So God does not see my faults. Perhaps I did something wrong. I made a wrong choice that brought me into this place where my peace is threatened. And I beat myself keep beating myself over wrong choices, wrong decisions that I've made but that perhaps brought me into this place. But God says, I approve of you. I do not see that wrong decision. I do not see that mistake you made. I see the perfection of Jesus Christ. And that is where we find ourselves in the love of God that approves of us. It also means to like. God likes us. God likes us. There are times when I don't even like myself. God says He likes us. It also means to treat affectionately or kindly. God treats us with affection. He treats us kindly. It also means to kiss as a mark of tenderness. God kisses us in intimate union with the God of the universe. Jesus starts it all off in John 14, 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So, if I find myself in a situation that threatens to trouble me, believe means to just rest in God. I don't work hard to work faith and belief up. I just rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Rest in God, rest in Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, we're going to go to Isaiah. I want to show you some lovely verses in Isaiah. Isaiah 27, verse 1 to 5. If you can go there. Isaiah 27, verse 1. <clears throat> in that day, 
the Lord with his saw and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing servant, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now that is the work of Jesus Christ. Now that refers to Colossians 2.14, I think, that says the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, was nailed to the cross. Now that handwriting of ordinances is the law that made us guilty, that condemned us. Now that was destroyed. That law was our enemy. It was against us. It was my enemy. It was in opposition to me. It was contrary to me. The law is not who I am. If I look at the law and it finds me guilty, that's not who I am. Now that was destroyed upon the cross. Forever the thing that condemned man, that made man feel that is not the righteousness of God, that is not the holiness of God, that is got no right to the peace of God, forever that was destroyed upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, In that day sing ye unto a, a vineyard of red wine. So in that day, when the law was destroyed upon the cross of Jesus Christ, it says, Sing unto the people a vineyard of red wine. That vineyard of red wine, it means to delight in, to be desirable, to be pleasant. So man was undesirable because of the law. When the law was destroyed, we find ourselves to be desirable and pleasant to God. God desires us. We are pleasant in His sight because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I the Lord do keep it. What does He keep? The vineyard, us. Children of God, He keeps us. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. So God will continually satisfy our first. Everything we need in this life, God will provide it for us. This is what Scripture says. He will keep it night and day. Continually He will do it. That word means in the blink of an eye. It means a continual process. You will never find yourself in a place where God is not looking after you. God doesn't turn His face away for two minutes. He's continually looking after us. Continually taking care of His vineyard because of the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and fawns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them. Together. So God is saying, I'm not angry at man. Fury is not in me because of the work of Jesus Christ. Then he says, Who would set the briars and fawns against me in battle? I would go through them, I would burn them together. This is speaking about the, the attempts of man to be righteous in the sight of God. Briars and thorns. If I bring to God my futile attempts, to work myself into a position of peace. If I bring to God my futile attempts to be blessed, to be uh, pro prosperous, God, the presence of God would consume that because my best attempts to be righteous, to be holy, is dirty rags in the sight of God. So I cannot come into the presence of God with my futile attempts to be righteous, to be right with God, to be accepted by God. That is why Hebrews says God is a consuming fire. 
Because the only thing that can stand in the presence of God is the completed work of Jesus Christ. My works cannot stand in the presence of God. My tithing to be prosperous cannot stand in the presence of God. My meditating for five hours to obtain peace cannot stand in the presence of God. Then just listen to this verse 5. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. So God says, let go of your attempts to be right with me. Grab hold of my strength, and you will find yourself in a position where you will have peace with me. So if I grab hold of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and I make it my own, through just believing in it, I will have peace with God. And if I have peace with God, I can have peace in this world. Because if I have a law mindset, thinking that I have to please God, that I have to find acceptance with God through what I do, I will never have peace with God. Never. If I let go of that, I grab hold of the strength of the work of Jesus Christ, I will have peace with God. This is what this is saying. Isaiah, let me just read this to you quickly. Isaiah 32 verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. So the effect of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is mine. The work of that righteousness that Jesus has freely given to me will be peace. Righteousness will work peace within me. It will work peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Quietness means rest. I rest in the righteousness of Christ. I rest in the work of Jesus Christ. God brings me to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The effect of righteousness will be rest, quietness and assurance forever. Assurance means safety. Uh, Isaiah 32 verse 17. Assurance means safety. So I find myself in a safe place. Safe in the work of Jesus Christ. I'm surrounded by the love of God. I'm surrounded by the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. I'm surrounded by the care of God. God looking after me. It is a safe place. No matter what happens in life, I am in a safe place. Because I am in Jesus, I am in the Father, in the acceptance of God. I am in a safe place. You know, now, knowing all of this, yesterday I was walking and I find I don't have peace. What I keep on seeing is what is happening in my life and I don't have peace. And I said, Lord, I need to understand why do I not have peace? Because I know all these things. And you know what came to me is, God said to me, you need to see. You need to see. We need to see. I'm sorry. <laughs> I cry. 
Now, John 17. Just think about us now. If we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had to see. What did he have to see? Jesus found himself in a place where he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew he would be betrayed. He knew one that he loves the most would betray him with a kiss. He knew that the same people who shouted Hosanna would shout crucify him. He knew that. He knew that his body will be broken. He knew that his flesh would be torn apart. He knew that he would be crucified. He knew that people would spit upon him. He knew that he would be humiliated. He knew all of that. But what did he see? What did Jesus see? In the midst of all that, you see there was a truth that was true for Jesus at that moment. The truth for him there was that he would be crucified. That he would be treated badly. That he would be persecuted. But there was a greater truth. What did Jesus see? John 17. Verse 1. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So Jesus could see what was going to happen to him, but he could see the glory that God would bestow upon him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? You and me. All of us. That is the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. Knowing that as he goes through all of that, he will draw us unto God. So, as if I go through things that is hard, that is difficult, what do I see? Jesus had to see. What do we see? So you see, Jesus, I mean, you said it, brother, Jesus became a man like us. He had a physical body. Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every regard like we are tempted. Jesus does not stand removed from the hard times we go through. He went through it himself. Therefore we have a high priest who is involved in our very lives. You read Matthew 5. Matthew 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. What does pure in heart mean? My heart is my belief system. How is my heart pure when I stop believing that I have to work the works of the law to be righteous, to be acceptable to God? So a pure heart is a heart that rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is a pure heart, a pure faith. If I have a pure faith free from the requirements of the law, I shall see God. How great is our God, all will see how great is our God. You see, and um, yesterday when I was walking and I realized I don't have peace, what I needed to see was I needed to see God. And in our lives we need to see past the truths of this moment, and we need to see the greater truth, which is God Himself. Because our lives now is just a speck in eternity. What happens to me now has no determination on my eternal life. The difficulties I go through now does not determine where I will spend eternity. It does not determine whether I will see God or not. It has no determination on that. You see, what needs to carry me through is that I see God. I see with an eternal vision, like Jesus saw. I need to see that Jesus will come again. That Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. That, that I am more than just what I see now. I am an eternal being in God. I am the glory of God. God is living in me. I am the holiness of God. Job says, I know that if I die with these very eyes that I see now, I will be raised from that grave and I will see God. I will see the glory of God and I can see it now. I need to see the glory of God. That word, Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That word see does not mean passive or casual vision, just looking at something, passively. It does not mean watching from a distance. I see that portrait, I'm just watching from a distance. That is not what it means. That word see means to gaze at something remarkable. The word remarkable means to excite admiration or wonder. So if, if I have a pure faith, free from the works of the law, abiding in the rest of God, I will be excited with wonder and awe at God Himself. I will see God. Now, this, I mean, you said it, brother, this sense of seeing speaks of intimate union. It is something that is very close to me. It is intimate union with God. It is, it is a, I am being consumed by God Himself. And that sets me free. Because I, I find myself in a place where the being of God consumes me. And all the hardships of life will be as nothing. Because the being of God is busy consuming me. I see, uh, I, I gaze with, with um, admiration, with wonder, with awe at God Himself. Now, 
Luke 24. Let's just read that quickly. Luke 24, verse 36. And as I thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled and why do you... Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So you see, Jesus appeared to them. Jesus is our peace. As I walk through life, I can see Jesus walking with me. His hands and His feet, they were able to touch Him. With the mind of my eye, with the eye of my mind, I can see Jesus. And it came to pass, verse 51, as Jesus is going up, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So Jesus, Jesus showed himself to them. He showed to them that he, is a, that he has a physical body like they had a physical body. So Jesus is my peace. Jesus is alive and well. He has a body just like me and he was taken up into heaven, seated at the right hand of God. I need to see Jesus. Hebrews 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So we see Jesus. Jesus was taken up into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God in glory and power. That is my point of reference. I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Where do I see myself? Do I see myself here or do I see myself seated with Jesus on the right hand of God? For it became Him for, who, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both He that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So, both he that sanctifies and those who are sanctified, us, are all of one. We all have the same source. God is our Father. I have the same source as Jesus Christ. He is not ashamed to call me his brother. I find myself in the same position as Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of God. But we see Jesus. Ephesians 1. Richard, this is especially for you now. Eh? <laughs> Ephesians 1 is Richard's favorite passage. Ephesians 1, verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who are to believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Glory, hallelujah. But we see Jesus. We see Jesus seated at the right hand of God far above all principalities, all powers, that He might have dominion over everything. And I see myself in that same position. What can touch me? What can harm me? Not death, not the power of the grave, not being treated unfairly, not losing a job. What can harm me? What can damage me? Nothing. I need to see who I am in Jesus. I need to see God, the power of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, which is my glory. Far above all principalities, all powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. There are people in this world who have power. In this world they might have power over us. But Far above that power is the power of Jesus Christ. And that is my point of reference. If someone fires me, what can that do to me? I have a point of reference that is far above that power. And I see that. I see that. Now, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, we read it in the beginning, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Now that word mind means imagination. Okay? So it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose imagination is stayed on thee. Now, this is a definition of imagination. Okay? I'm not going to ask if you can read it because you can't. It's too small. <laughs> okay. Imagination is the power of the mind by which it conceives and forms ideas of things communicated, communicated to it by the organs of sense. Okay, what does that mean? It means that I see something around me, I hear something, okay? My mind takes it, and it would form an imagination about that. So, I might see a bad thing happening to me. I might hear something bad is going to happen to me. And the imagination of my mind says to me, Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is going to happen to me? If this happens, that is going to happen. What if this happens? I won't, I won't be able to live. I won't have any money. Where, where's the food going to come from? 
the imaginations of my mind sees or hears what is happening and something is created in my mind. So what does my mind see? That it sees what it has created out of what the senses perceive. You know, it, it says that we have the power of modifying what we have felt or perceived to form something of our own creation. So we create something in our minds based on what we hear and see. Now that something that we can create can steal our peace. But it says, my mind, my imagination has to rest in God. Okay? So, if I see the truths of what's happening around me, my mind will take that and form something. But I need to see beyond the truths of this life. I need to see the glory of Jesus Christ. And the imagination of my mind needs to form a picture based on that truth. That Jesus will come again. That I will live for all eternity. That I am the beloved of God. That I have been accepted by God. That nothing can harm me. Out of that truth, let my mind form an imagination. Let my mind, the eyes of my mind, see based on that truth. Is that clear? What do I see? That psalm says, How great is our God. All will see how great is our God. We're going to close with this. Now, if there is an imagination that my mind needs to form, let it imagine this. Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel seeing the glory of God. Verse 4. And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself and the brightness was about it and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. So the imaginations of Ezekiel seeing the glory of God, the fire of God, God is a consuming fire. He sees the living creatures, he sees the wheels turning. Uh, verse 10, he sees the, 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 the four living creatures. It says, verse 10, as for the likeness of their faces, they fall at the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they fall at the face of an ox on the left side. They fall also at the face of an eagle. This is talking about Jesus Christ. The four faces of Jesus Christ as it is revealed in the gospel. Um, the face of a man. Jesus was a man. The face of a lion. Jesus is the lion of Judah. The face of an ox. Jesus was a sacrifice on the cross. The servant to all mankind. The face of an eagle, the divinity of Jesus Christ, that speaks of Jesus. So Ezekiel sees the glory of God. And in that glory of God, he sees something that speaks of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. We need to see Jesus. Verse 26, Ezekiel 1. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. 
as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. God in that glory. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it, and it had brightness round about, the glory of God. You see the imaginations of my mind. Does it see today, or does it see eternity? Does it see now, or does it see the glory of God? God on the throne, ruling above all powers and dominions and principalities, now and forever, for all eternity. The glory of God. As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spoke. The appearance of the glory of God. There was a rainbow. The rainbow speaks of the promise of God, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. What happens with light when you break it up? It splits into different colors. The rainbow speaks of Jesus Christ. The promise of Jesus to mankind. The glory of God, we need to see the glory of God. And that will bring peace to us. Let's just pray. Lord, we understand the glory of your gospel. And you will reveal more understanding to us as we walk in this life. Lord, we are set free from what we have to do for God. You are bringing us into a place where you did for us. Lord, and you bring peace to our hearts as we see what you have done. As we see who you are. Lord, we do look beyond the truths of every day into the truth of eternity. Into the truth of Jesus Christ, seated far above all powers, all dominions, all principalities, above every name that has power in this world, Jesus Christ is seated on the throne of God, on the right hand of God, and that is where I am seated with God in heavenly places. And that is the truth that I see that brings peace to my heart. How great is our God. All will see how great is our God. For the same Jesus that was crucified will come again with all His angels in glory and we will be gathered to Him for all eternity, living in the new Jerusalem where there is a, a, a river of life, a tree of life, where there will be no more tear where there is no curse, where there is no tribulation, where there is no suffering, where there is no trouble, where there is no pain of the mind or body. And that is who I am. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore I say to you, grace 
and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we receive your peace. We, you open our eyes to see. Lord, open our eyes to see the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory. Thank you. I want to just, 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 let's just close our eyes. <clears throat> now, there's something very great here. You know, when you imagine, you see something, you know, this is what came to my heart while Nicole was preaching. Just, you know, the worst...